What's up, everybody? Are you in the market for a new steel mace? Look no further than Adex Maces and Clubs. Go to adexclub.com, place your order, and have them delivered right to your house. Adjustable steel mace made right here in the United States. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Steel Maze Nation podcast. I'm Fred Moore, and today my guest is Paul Walkowinski, who is in Australia, and he's a Indian clubs expert, uh, but he swings gata, things like that. If you're not following him, he's uh, on Instagram. You can look up Paul Walkowinski. Sorry. Um, it's at Walkowinski. Uh, I believe you're also on Facebook too, right? Yeah, Facebook and I've got um, two websites. Um, one one is called um, indianclubs.com.au at the end, which is for Australia. And the other one's Indian Clubs Academy where I've got um, courses for Indian clubs and mace and Persian. And no, not Persian meals rather. Sorry, I, don't, I haven't done that one yet. Okay, so if anybody wants to learn uh, Indian clubs from you, they could do it by going to the, those, those websites. Sure, sure. It's a very, they're basic courses. They're sort of introductory courses. I'm actually working on a sort of more advanced course for Indian clubs, but that's going to be sort of, yeah, towards the end of this um, new year, to, to 23, that's, that's going to be launched. All right. And how long have you been practicing Indian clubs for? I started 2008, so it's quite a while now. And I mean, you know, it was it's a it, it, I first of all I started if I can the beginnings of it were I got into kettlebells. My dad was half Russian, half Polish. Um, he was into kettlebells when he was a young man. He told me about it, and then when they came on the scene and Pavel Tatsulin sort of launched it, I got into it. And what I really liked about it was the the um, the dynamics of you know of the uh, of the swing itself, if you like. So I started searching the internet for other stuff that you could swing. Found um, uh, club bells to start with. I bought a whole set, and and you know right right down from sort of two kilos up to twenties, believe it or not, and. Um, wow basically didn't really get on with them very well. But at the same time, I found um, um, an old book where there were some patterns for wooden clubs. And um, I found a guy here in Perth in West Australia to make them for me. And um, basically it was, I, should, I still think, remember the day that I actually held the first pair, didn't know what to do with them. And basically, and had to start going through old manuals and following all the dotted lines around, you know, where the movements were supposed to go and, and actually trying to read them as they would have done when the books were, were originally published to understand what they were doing with them. And that was sort of two, uh, two years into that. Then I sort of, uh, then basically I thought I'd, I'd learned Indian clubs completely until one day I just happened to open one of the, my favorite books um, about Indian club work and I found a, an illustration in there that completely opened the field up um, as far as movement and ma manipulation of Indian clubs was concerned. And that was to do with a, um, a back hip circle. So the hand goes behind the, basically behind the hip, 
that club swings behind the back and comes back out again. And then you can move, move it, repeat the circle or do something else. And that was, that was a sort of light bulb moment for me that thinking, well, you know, there's a lot more to this and it has been ever since, you know, like so many years later, now I'm still finding new stuff to this day that I can do. Um, and that gone. Uh, say- in, in 2008, uh, you started, what was going on on the internet? Did you, were you able to find anything on there? Cause you said you were looking through these books, manuals, I guess I'm assuming there was really nothing online, right? No, there was very there was next to nothing online. There's um, I found a few um, uh, Ill- um, uh, videos from um, uh, juggling videos that actually uh, that focused on c- club manipulation as opposed to throwing them up in the air. So there was a bit of that there, but they were working with clubs that were you know um, weighing about sort of three hundred grams. I don't know what that is in ounces, but they were very light. So I mean, there's nothing there half a pound maybe or something like that but that was interesting and then um yeah it was just it was really trying to understand what was in the old books and since since um reading those old books and studying over and over i've come to realize if you think about the the popularity of indian clubs really started in um in the western world 1850 1860 a little bit prior to that and then it sort of died a death around about 1930. But during that time, most people who, um, uh, most people I feel knew how to pick up a club, how to hold it. And um, the books were there, oh, this is my way, this is my way. And everybody was trying to sell their own method of, of swinging Indian clubs. So the people had a bit of a jump start simply because it was being done in schools, it was being done in the military. Um, it was done being done in sort of communities like, for instance, church communities with muscular Christianity being a big um, contender. So, you know, you'd, people would go to church. Afterwards, everybody would meet up. They'd move all the pews away and somebody would sit down at the piano and they'd have a bit of exercise. You know, kids first, women and then men, which is, a, which is amazing. If you think about the knowledge that those people had in those days was just fantastic. And we, we've been um, kind of... So it had to start from scratch. We had to go all the way back. You know, there, there was, and I mean, that really reflects also in some of the workshops I started doing uh, in 2013. And um, silly me, I went into the workshops presenting stuff that was way over people's heads, too complex. It was just too hard. Yeah. And I found myself backpedaling, you know, backpedal, backpedal. I mean, I've got to show them something simpler. They've got to understand what they're supposed to be doing here. And it even went down to how to hold a club, you know, the different grips and all this type of thing. So it made me really, really look at the way that I swung clubs and how I held them, moved them, what I did with them as, you know, as I was swinging and and exercising. And then that then created the, you know, over the long period of time, created the courses that I've got at the moment. As I say, they're beginners courses. They're nothing more complex at this stage. So and hey everybody, if you're looking for new fitness equipment to add to what you have, and you want to find something that really complements the steel mace that you're swinging already, consider going with FreedomStrength.us. They have strongman sandbags, throwing sandbags, uh, all kinds of lifting gear. They have training sandbags, resistance bands. 
and weight vests, and they have apparel. And if you use the discount code SMN10 at checkout, you're going to get 10% off. You're going to help support the podcast, and you're going to help support a good American company right in Pennsylvania, U.S. of A. So check out freedomstrength.us. And what I then then also at the same time I discovered the the gutter of the mace. Yeah. And I went to India. And boy, was that a revelation. I mean, it was just something out of this world. Um, I went to Varanasi, which is a I don't know if people know it's a very ancient um city in India in Uttar Pradesh. And um I met up with one guy there, um, because I mean Indians being very friendly. I mean, people were coming up to me saying, well, what are you doing here? And all this sort of thing. And I told him I wanted to find out more about the um, the forms of training in India. And it turned out that he was um, an ex-Palavan um, from one of the Akharas, in, um, but he'd damaged, he'd hurt his back wrestling. Oh. But he said, okay, well, I've got a motorbike. You, if you pay for the petrol, I'll take you around. And I mean, you know, my love from India started from there because he took me to, I forget now, maybe four or five Akharas the following day and more the following day after that. And I got to meet some of these people and I thought, okay, I've got to come back. I've got to come back for a longer period. I found out that in in August, they have a a festival called, it's called the Cobra Festival in English or the Nag Panchami Festival uh, over there in, um, in Hindi. And um, basically, that that what happens there is that all the Akharas, all the wrestlers' gyms, basically that's what that means. They all compete against each other um, in their in training, and they compete within the Akharas and against each other in the various Akharas against each other. And they have competitions swinging the gada or the mace and um, the jury, which is um, a very very long club that the um, the Indians use. And um, yeah, that that was um, that was such an eye opener. Then coming back after the sort of experience of seeing this in India, and then pract- I made my own um, gutters here. So mine, all mine that I have here, have bamboo handles and um, concrete base or stone base. But then I've used different types of molds and, and um, you know experimented with various things. And I started seeing that the there were a lot of comparisons between what you can do with Indian clubs and um, the gutter or the mace, in the sense that the way that the, your, your elbows have to be positioned, for example, into a sort of position in, like this, with your elbows high up, the hands at the nape of the neck, it relates um, to, to both. So, I mean, you can, there, is, there is a comparison. There's, there's information that you can take from one transfer to the other, and so on. And... Um, yeah, so it's it, and then the same goes for the Persian meal. So I mean, again with the Persian meals, I I went to Iran, been there a couple of times. The same the same as um, India, and um, you know just went there to study. Went, went to study the zurkhane as it's called, and um, the, um, the 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 methods that they use. The zurkhane is much more regimented. It's quite interesting because the zurkhane they do set things in a certain period of, of training. And the training takes about um, two hours, just roughly one and a half to two hours. You'll get a group of men, 14 to 20 men come in. 
and they go into the what's called the um the gout which is a, a, a pit that's lower two foot lower than the floor in the um the zurkhane and um there's a there's a drummer that drums basically the beats and they follow the beats and they do their various exercises which starts normally with dynamic exercises of moving the arms and twisting the body in different directions then the um, the shena board which is the push-up board and as they all do the, the most common exercise they do with that is a split push-up so the legs are wide apart and and it, it's well it's very very good that the exercise in the sense that it really loosens your hips up which is very important i think the, the, you know as we sit and sit and sit these days um in chairs <laughs> It, it loosens a, it loosens your hips up because you're taking that wide stance. Yes, you're taking the wide stance, and I mean, basically, if you think about it, when you go down on the shanna board, you do a push up, yeah. then you push back, and you're stretching your the the back of your legs out and your butt, um, because you, you push back, then you drop forward, and so your your arms your arms relax, you push back, and then you go down on the shanna board again, and then you push back. So I mean, it, it, and it's a combination of the two. So you're going backwards and forwards, stretching your hips out, stretching your um, um, the, the back of your legs out, and then you're doing a push-up in between. And there's two versions of that. There's what's called the four count. So I mean, basically, you go, you do three stretches to the back, and then one push-up. Three stretches, one push-up. And then you can do what's called the two count, where you do a, a stretch and a push-up, stretch and a push-up, um, much now faster. I, I believe on your YouTube channel, you have yep. good videos of that exact stuff from what I yes. recall seeing. Yeah, 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 no, very much so. I mean, I've, I've actually recorded, um, there was a, um, a Zulkane that I went to in Shiraz that you, you I've recorded basically the, the whole event and split it into three videos. So you can, you can watch the, um, the, the first part of the training, then the, then the meal, then the Shanna board or the push-up board. And then the meal training, where they train, you know, train with the clubs, basically. So yeah, the, the zukan, as I was going back to it, is very, very set in its ways. It's it's a ritual that they go through, whereas the training in India, for instance, in the northern Akharas of India, is much more individual. The, the the guys come in there on their own, and they train in pairs or on their own. It's as simple as that. So I mean, they they choose the things that they want to train with, and. Um, that's the way that they uh, they they work. The interesting thing to me is, I mean, there's a always a huge debate of who invented the clubs, and it always amuses me this because if you if you go back to the sort of the um, the eleventh, twelfth centuries, I mean, you, you know, the Persians in India, the the Persian language or the Farsi was was spoken by the upper classes um, in India. And then, I mean, there was, and there were shared borders going through many, many centuries between India and per, and, and per, per, old Persia, modern-day Iran. So, consequently, who invented it? You know, the Persians say they did, the Indians say they did. I mean, you know, go figure. So it's, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, the both the both disciplines are fantastic, and they, you know, there's no point in arguing about it. Just do it, basically. Well, I mean, it. It's gonna go further back than those than those people even because I mean we talk about prehistoric man picking up a stick or a bone and yeah. whacking somebody with it. So sure, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the the legend legend goes that I mean, or the, the one that I like to I like to believe, put it this way, it's a personal thing. 
so um 500 bc um uh, oh god um cyrus the great was a commander of the um the um uh hong and what they what were they called i've forgotten the, uh, the name will come back to me in a minute is he it the canaanites or something like that sorry the no, canaanites the no the immortals oh okay Ten thousand, the ten thousand strong immortals they were called the immortals because they they never showed um their enemy that anybody would have fallen there would be you know a replacement would be put into the position of the man who had fallen or got injured and that's why they were called the immortals so it was a, it was a psychological type of warfare right. cyrus the great wanted his men to train with equipment that was two two to three times heavier than um than their swords and shields Mm. And consequently, the, the the meal movements were invented in that stage where, you know, you you basically, if I have this shield in my left hand, the sword comes round to the back, I move the shield out of the way, strike, and then the shield comes back for protection. So then it more morphed into that type of movement here where the, the both arms are doing the same thing, but they're just changing over. So, I mean, they're mirroring each side. Uh, so, yeah, the, that synchronized... Uh, movement, movement is going to yeah. help them in combat because it's going to create the strengthen. neural pathways, strengthen, yes. strengthen the shoulders, strengthen the upper body, um, and also, I mean, in um, if you, depending on which type of swing you do, you have to, um, for instance, keep your hips still in one type of swing and use just the upper body rotating the shoulders through. And then, um, you know, on other ones, you can move your feet a lot better. So consequently, you know, there's there's different ways of looking at it from a combat point of view. I would imagine, I'm no specialist in this, but this is the way that, you know, it seems to me that it is the most logical, that how this was developed. And this is what they still, that's why it's still, you know, it's it's an ancient, ancient tradition as far as the meals are concerned. And this, just to add to that, the Shenna board itself, the push-up board was... Um, quite actively uh, to my way of thinking the sword would have been put down on the ground and they would have done the push-ups on the sword if the, if the ground was uh, unfavorable to putting your hands down they would have done their exercises on the shores sometimes in a sandy it's sandy situation sometimes in mud or whatever it was i mean that was basically what was going on there so they were doing you know the, those two exercises of, of the the push-ups and the um meals were for warfare it's as simple as that but the what's interesting about this now is that if you consider the shoulder movements um, alone from the um you know the like the, the sword sorry the shield coming forward on the left hand the right hand is wielding the sword and so that means that my left shoulder is forward the right shoulder is to the back and i move the left shoulder to strike i have got to move the left shoulder back and strike with the right so my right shoulder comes forward this is the same movement that the, the mace or the gada uses, but it's not a wartime. It's it's not a it's not a um, fighting movement. It's basically um, for wrestling. To um, if you have your opponent in a headlock or a an arm lock, you can throw them over your shoulder, but you still got to rotate. The, the important thing is that you're rotating your body from side to side. And now going to modern days, I mean, from a teaching point of view, one of the things that um, sort of new students um, um, struggle with 
is they usually, for instance, if I'm going to, if I'm holding a mace in front of me and I've got it in a nice low rack position, my right shoulder is coming forward. It's going to go over the right shoulder. So I'm going to swing it to the back. And, and I sh what should happen is now the left shoulder should come forward. Because you, if you're doing a 10 to 2, now you've got to go back over the shoulder. Many people don't actually com complete the movement. So they move their right shoulder forward, but they square up. So that means that the, 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 the head of the mace is going diagonally behind them and it's not traveling on the, on the frontal plane behind the body. That's right. really important. Yeah, that, that's really, really important. And it's, um, you know, in workshops that I've kind of done over the years, that's one of the hardest things to get to people to understand is that they, you know, they need to swing in a straight line that's on the frontal plane. It can't deviate from that. So it's got to go over the shoulder on one side and it's got to come up at the same, same point mirrored on the other side, regardless of whether it's a 10 to 2 or a 360. So with it just going down to a 360, the same thing. So I'm, I'm coming over the shoulder here. The right shoulder's forward, swinging through. I'm pulling up. Left shoulder has to come forward, but this time around, rather than going back that way, my arms come down, right shoulder comes forward. That's, and that's, that basically, all of that moving is, um, you know, with the clubs, ancient clubs of India and with the Persian meals. It's the now, same thing. That would be considered good form right there. Yes. If, well, to my mind, yes, it's good form. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what's the advantage of training like that in that type of form? What's the advantage? I think it, well, I mean, basically you're, you're working the, um, the okay. I'm just going to go in. There's a difference here between the, the mace or the gada and the, and two clubs. There's a difference here with the gada. Um, you can do, um, your feet should be, um, firmly placed on the ground slightly wider than your shoulders and your feet technically if you watch um, the um, palavans in india do it they they don't actually move their heel up they the don't feet, heels, they fit they're planted on the ground so that means that what they're doing by that is they're, they're forcing all the movement into the upper body yeah which is which is what you want to train so they, they and I mean, that, that, that it's just the way, and I personally like that because, I mean, if you, if you experiment with that yourself, you'll see that there's a big difference. If you suddenly activate your legs into um, swinging th that way, the legs actually help to, 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 to do the swing much more rather yeah. than bending the upper body from side to side. So, you, you know, with the, with the bend of the body, you're counterbalancing from the waist up. So the, if the mace head is over here to the right, my body is then you know, counterbalancing it to the left. As it swings through, I change sides. So there's a counterbalance there. And I think that the, you know, if you focus, if you plant your feet securely on the floor, focus on your upper body from your waist up, your hips facing forward with the mace, I mean, you're going to suddenly find that you're, you're, the energy that is required is amazing. Now, is there uh, possibly a, a a technique? Well, not a technique. What, if you're trying to train to go heavier and it's a challenging weight, 
would it be okay to come to raise your heel to help as, it as a sort of yeah, like it, having like a, a like gives you a little bit of an advantage just till you get strong enough and then and then put your heel back down yeah i don't i don't see any reason why not i mean i don't see any reason why not and i think that the um in the akharas from what i've observed they also actually lift their foot off the ground okay so they're actually you know they're actually stood on one foot um, for a split second, for a split second, so, I mean, you know, the, so the energy is going, so you, you've got that sort of diagonal um, uh, position of the body against the weight of the, 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 the head of the mace. Yeah, right. And I mean, yeah, I think I think that's fine. And if you if you look at some videos, I mean, I've done a video about this a while ago, swinging a heavy mace. I mean, basically, swinging a very heavy mace is um, something that's only done um, in, for example, in India during that period of the um, Nagpanchami Cobra Festival. Because it's considered that if you swing heavy um, for the other part of the year, your body becomes, if you swing heavy, your body will become stiff. Oh. They want, you know, they want to have a supple body and that's really important. And I actually totally agree with that. So, you know, I mean, I think we have a, um, a thing in the West where we um, focus a little bit too much on going heavier and heavier rather than going for endurance. And, you know, and, you know, can you swing? I mean, if you can swing, for, ex for example, a, um, a 10 kilo um, gada or what was that? 22 pounds. Right. Let's say, you know, can you swing that for 10 minutes nonstop? Yeah. You know, that's the sort of challenge to me. That's that I like to look at as opposed to going heavier and heavier and heavier where you, you know, the amount of time that you're going to swing something really, really heavy like that is going to be way reduced because you're just going to basically exhaust yourself. So do you and, consider 20 pounds to be basically the ideal weight for uh, a male, a man? Okay, I'll give you, the, so from my point of view, um, and with the, sort of the, 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 the sort of issues I, I've had, I, I use 7 kilos, 8, 9, 10, 12, and 15. Okay. Now, in India, they will train, they will probably start with around about 8, then they'll go to um, 10 to 12, 15, 20, and 25. So that, I mean, and... You know, but they, but they'll do twenty sets of twenty swings of each one. They'll ladder them. Okay. So they'll you know they'll start with the lightest and they just build up. So I mean you know from that point of view, so that's a good way of using going to a heavier weight. And I've done that quite a few times myself, and it, yeah. it works fine. Um, but I also like I really like the idea of doing sort of endurance. You know, swing a, a twenty. Um, 20 pound um, mace for 10 minutes and see how you get on, you know, let's say at 58 beats a minute, you know, that's, that's a challenge I set myself on a regular basis. Now, do you always uh, play drum beats when you swing? Because I noticed uh, that you do have a Spotify list, which is awesome. Everybody's got to go yeah. check that out. Um, yeah. Do you always use, do you, you always use those yeah, drum beats? That's the, yes, I do. I, I do because I, I I use it for everything: Indian clubs, Persian meals, um, the maze gutter, everything, and in fact, even push-ups. And I I when I when I went to Iran, I found that was just um, extraordinary how the um, the drum beats help 
the um the 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 exercise because basically you've got to keep up with the drumbeat you you know so you launch the gutter for example and when it goes when the when the drum goes boom the mace should be at your back and you should be bringing it up and so that's that's an extra challenge so it means that you're for instance in that 10 minutes of training you're keeping up with the beat of the drum that's the important thing and I mean, the, the, the stuff that I've got on, on, on Spotify, I've got it from um, 55 beats a minute up to 60 beats a minute. And that, that is a massive change. Even if you go from 55 to 56 beats a minute, you're suddenly working a lot harder. 57 beats a minute, you're working even harder still. So consequently, if, I'm, if I want to say um, experiment with something new or I want to swing a sort of slightly heavier gutter like the 15, I'll drop the speed down because I know that I can keep up with a slower speed, like 55 beats a minute. And um, for a um, the 10 kilo, for example, which is one my most favorite one, I'll swing that maybe at sort of 58 beats a minute on a regular basis. Now, where and do these drum beats come from that you have on your Spotify list? I made them myself. How did you make iPad. them? On my iPad. No kidding. Yeah, on my oh, iPad. Wow. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, it was just it was just um Apple Apple you know Apple iPad. I mean, they brought out a, a thing called a Garage Band. Yeah, and I thought, you know, and I started off first. It was um you know doing drum beats for myself. Then I had start people asking me where where did I get my drum beats from, and so I ended up sort of doing a you know twenty tracks of drum beats, which I sort of dedicated to each discipline. So Indian clubs, um, but you can you can cross over. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But it, that was purely iPads, you know, which I still use to this day. That's great. That's great because I I was listening to some and I I wouldn't I thought that they were actual instruments like that people played. So that's no, no, um, well, you can mess you know you can mess around with them. It was just a nice creative thing to do. I mean, I just yeah. it was just fun to do. You know, well, it it's an awesome contribution to the to the community too because um i know i know a lot of people when they're swinging mace and doing stuff like that they're they're listening to music yes. uh music is big part of it and i mean it's you know it's with everything we do right even if you just go to a regular gym people like their music right yeah. but um they're you know finding these like certain songs or certain beats that are like tribal it, yeah. it yeah it's it's um you, you when you find something that's really good it it, it means something so i so yes. people got to check that out if they go to spotify uh yeah, I've got, you got a spotify, link i've got my links on my website i mean spotify yeah. app, um, apple music i mean it's all there basically it's it's everywhere yeah because i went through a, dist a music distributor to actually sort of put it out there um, wow! But the, I think I think the thing to remember about this is that you know often um, uh, I'm not. This is no way meant as a as a criticism or anything. But modern day music can vary. This the beat speed can vary. Yeah. Um, which is I mean you might love a song, but suddenly it's going to slow down, or you know the 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 singer's going to do some something unexpected, um, and it's very difficult to keep time with that. But right. the, and you know the the visits to to Iran again were the it's they keep time with a drum like it's it's law that's what you have to do okay and I yeah. find that I just find that an amazing way to train yeah know? that must also really um because because you're concentrating on your swings you're concentrating on the beat 
and you're trying to stay with that beat. You can't really think about much other stuff. So it's got to be very freeing for the mind, a uh, form yes. of meditation, if you will, just yes. to, to help you get more focused, right? And I'll tell you something else. It, what else it does is, and I would recommend this to anybody who wants to try using my drum beats, is you test yourself first. Okay, so, I mean, for instance, if you're going to swing to um, um, 60 beats a minute, for example, that will allow you 30 10 to 2s. So you, you know that that's what you're going to do every minute. And that's what, you, that's what your challenge is. Yeah. So now... What does that mean? That means that you don't have to count. Right. Because people get so obsessed with counting. Count, I've not counted um, for since ages ago. I haven't counted my swings because I know. I mean, so, you know, you, if you do um, 30 beats, sorry, 30 swings a minute, 60 beats a minute, then, then that's going to give you X amount of swings, 300 swings for 10 minutes. End of story. Yeah. You've done 300. Easy. And so that means you can focus on your form and, you know, your positioning and are you doing the swings properly? Are you bringing the mace down into the rack position correctly? And, you know, are you changing hands often enough? So left over right, right over left, that type of thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. I noticed yeah. that when, when I'm training and swinging, sometimes if I'm counting the reps, um, it, it, you're, it, it's, Funny to say, but it's kind of like you're chewing gum and walking at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, you kind of get thrown off a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, that, again, I mean, you know, that came from Iran because, I mean, those guys in the Zulkane there, all they're thinking about is swinging their clubs or doing whatever or the push-ups or whatever it is. They do not count. So they're consequently, they're completely clear on the movements and they're focused on the movements. So going back to what you mentioned earlier on, it's like meditation. That's what it's supposed to be. You know, counting doesn't, arithmetic doesn't come into this at all. Yeah. Yeah. Really That's, important. So they um, they trained in the Akara with a, a drummer then. They had a person no, no, there. No, so, no, no. Don't confuse it. So, I mean, this is in Iran. They train with a oh, drummer. Okay. In Iran. Sorry. In, yes. In, in okay. an Akara. So That's the, in the India. Zulkane is from Iran. The Zulkane has drummers. Or drummer, okay. singular, and the um, in the, uh, the akharas they don't train with a drum. Okay, they don't. No, um, that's that's more done on an individual basis. So, I mean, what I've done is I've married the the um, the it's a fusion that I do of what they do in Iran, what they do in India, and what I've sort of developed myself with Indian clubs, basically, because Indian clubs. Can also, and I mean, Indian clubs can be swung to drumming very easily. I do that all the time. And, but now let's go back to the sort of the, um, the heyday of Indian clubs from around about 1850 to, to 1930. During that time, for example, in the, the, um, the, 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 the muscular Christianity movement, especially in the States, you know, people would go to church. Um, and then afterwards, uh, they would said this before, the pews would be moved away and they'd, they'd all practice swinging Indian clubs. Healthy in mind and spirit and body. And um, this was done to a piano. And one of the best um, piano uh, melodies is the waltz, because it's a 4-4 four -four beat. Ah. So consequently, you know, you swing to, you, I mean, people would swing to the waltz and somebody would be sitting at a piano playing waltzes for them to exercise with. So... 
there's nothing new about this. This has been done, you know, for, sort of forever and a day as far as Indian clubs are concerned, which is great, which yeah. is great. So the um, the change happened in 1930, you said. It kind of died off. Okay. Well, no, no, no. It's a 1930, yes, because um, in especially in America, the um, the uh, the production or the the, um, the exercise equipment started started becoming very much par for the course. People like um, uh, Eugene Sandow, for example, with his sort of beautiful, beautiful body, muscles, you know, muscles, rippling stomach, and all this sort of thing. Suddenly, men wanted to do this, and he was sort of like selling programs, you know, like um, to to encourage men to do this. And um, Indian clubs became a sort of like a laughing stock when people were saying that people who swung Indian clubs were, you know, um, um, scaring off flies and stuff like this. I mean, it just became a laughing situation, and which is a real shame because the. The, the the difference between I'm sure you know yourself the difference between picking up a weight and uh, say pushing something overhead, you're looking at skeletal support. Whereas with Indian club work and for with um, the the gada and meals, you're looking at um, the the swing factor, which means that the weight is getting it goes from the original weight, it goes heavier due to gravity, and then when it goes into negative gravity, it gets lighter going back to the um, the original weight. So consequently, it's, it's working your body in a completely different way in the sense that it's, it, it's really working the connective tissue in your arms and shoulders and hands. Um, that includes the bloodstream because the, the arms go overhead and then the blood drains out. And obviously when the arms go down in front of the body or behind the body, they um they fill up with blood again. So I mean it's working the heart, and I think that's really important to um, to remember. So, but I, I think a lot of people are starting to realize this now that you know there's benefits to a swinging type of exercise as opposed to a um you know pushing weights up and down, bulking up. And if you think about it, the, you know the, what I told you earlier on about the the palavan of the akhara. Well, he doesn't want to lift heavy stuff because he doesn't want to bulk up. He doesn't want to get stiff. To me, that's the way um, going forward. And at my age, I mean, I'm turning um, 73 on Monday. Oh, and, you know, congratulations. I, I, I wanna, yeah, thank you. And But I still want to be able to, you know, if I fall over, I want to be able to get up off the floor and push myself up and that type of thing. I want to be able to reach my arm up and right. get something off a shelf. Um, just you know, so that and, and and not sort of stagnate and let the let just give up with the body, if you like. I mean, that's that's I think that's the important thing from my point of view. Yeah, and and I'm just thinking about like, um, you know, it's all based on warrior type of, um, you know, it's it's almost like martial art. The, these men don't want to be stiff because they have to be able to move uh, in a fight. They need to move quickly. They need to have some flexibility and stuff like that too. Yes, I th yes, absolutely. So I mean, from a you know, from a, um, a general perspective, in modern day terms, I mean, you know, the 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 the, um, the fighter from two and a half thousand years ago, from Cyrus the Great, would have wanted endurance for you know fighting all day, all yeah. day day the following day goodness knows how many hours of fighting physical fighting contact for modern day i mean martial artists or um you or, or people for instance um i've done workshops in um for rock climbing 
um, because I mean the um, Indian clubs use properly developed, really good um, hand ma manipulation and strength, which we you know a rock climber will need. Um, oh, and wow. it's also they the rock climbers like, for instance, work on their upper body rather than their legs. I mean that's important for them. Um, I think for for example for swimmers, um, I had the uh, the head coach of the um, Korean Olympic team take on two very very simple exercises, basically throwing you know. Um, on a sagittal plane, throwing, which is basically throwing, you know, like like swimming, doing this type of um, freestyle movement, going forward and going back, you know, on at the side of the pool. I mean, that's the, the that's what they use there. So I mean, you're using different elements of Indian clubs, for example, to help develop the um, what's needed for specific sports. Yeah. So you know, in the modern day context, it has a, a lot of um, uses. You know. It, many places now were uh were you contacted by these rock climbers because they saw you doing this and they were like no, hey that might help yeah i was contacted by a guy who who worked has affiliations with a gym that was in san diego um he he basically um uh, made the contact and we did the, the workshop there which is really interesting i mean that, that that's what happened there I went to Korea on an invitation from um, uh, a, a group of guys in um, Korea who run a, 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 a what's called a House of Strength gym there, and the the, the Korean um, coach, the swimming coach, came to the, one of the workshops. Oh, okay. You know, so I mean, it's it, it's it's sort of um, you know, and it's 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 a question of the right person seeing the uh, how they can apply certain things from. Um, say Indian clubs to their specific sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, there's there there should be more clubs and mace in athletic sports. I think it's yes. something that's sorely missing from all uh, any any sport. You know, I know I had a tennis uh, coach on the yes, podcast. No, he and he's claimed that his girls that he was um. You know, training with Mace, we're doing very well. Um, so, you know, anything, even runners or even horseback riders uh, who compete, I think it's sorely missing from these uh, other yeah. events. In fact, yeah, no, the tennis is another one. I worked with a tennis coach um, in, um, in New York. Um, I mean, I worked with him from here, setting him up to, to coach tennis players. Yeah. And he, he's, um, he's still doing it, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so the, it, go on. No, go ahead. No, I, 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 uh, All right. Um, so, I, I was going to say, uh, so the health benefits of all of this is very, uh, very widespread. Like you could build strength. Uh, you could heal injuries to shoulders, um, things, all kinds of things. What, what was it that specifically got you into it? when you started back in 2008? It was a total fascination with, um, you know, ex like, how can I explain it? It was a total fascination with extending your arm and the club becoming part of your arm that you, and then basically your hand becomes another joint and um, then moving the club around the body. That to me was really, really interesting. Yeah, and I mean the um, I've I've um, you know with Indian clubs it's sort of 
now over the years I've actually sort of worked out I mean you can have synchronous movements where the movements are uh, mirrored from the center line so you swing outward or inward and then you can swing parallel to the right parallel to the left which basically the parallel left and right relates in some ways to swinging a mace now you so that's the synchronous side of Indian clubs then you have the asynchronous side where it's still basically the same tempo but one arm swings a circle behind the head the other one swings a circle in front of the body and then they change over in just very simple terms and there's another format which is the follow format um, where one arm follows the other one and it can be done in parallels that's the easiest way of doing it and it can be done in a number of different ways now the interesting thing about that is that that um, for Indian clubs in particular um, now you can start saying okay well I want you to swing asynchronous change to synchronous and then back again so you have to do what's called a transition so you transition from one type of swing to another you can also swing a transition from say an outward swing to a parallel swing and the way that that transition is done is different than the previous one that I've just loosely described so I mean the, the, and it, it just is a massive um like um I call it mental gymnastics so you yeah. have to remember, you know, which way you're going to do it. And that in some ways relates to the mace also. You can, with the mace, you can, you can do body turns, for example. You can swing in a sagittal format. Um, and and I'm, not, I'm not going into mace flow here because mace flow is very different to my mind because we're, the, the type of mace swing that I'm talking about is that you always hold the handle at the opposite end to where the weight is. Yeah. So the more traditional method. But in even in that, there is a, a number of variations that can, can be done that suddenly make the complexity quite substantial. And so all this uh, movement, transitioning, things like that, this is all going to help your mind in certain ways. Well, yes, it does. And, it, and it, I, I, think, I think the word for it is um, proprioperception. So, I mean, you know, you're not necessarily looking at what your where your clubs are so you're not turning your if your arms are spread out yeah. left and right you're not looking at each hand so you have to feel where what your hands are doing so it's giving you it's, it's extending your body and i think a, a very interesting um thing in that they do in india is they they actually um the the mace or the gada is associated with hanuman the god of strength in india in hindu in the hindu religion and every every um, palavan, as they go to pick up the gada or the mace, they they bend down, they grab hold of the end where the where the hands go, and then they touch the head. They touch the 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 head of the gada, their forehead, and the head of the gada. And it's a small prayer prayer to Hanuman, saying to become one, wishing to become one, and Hanuman giving you the strength to swing it. Now that first bit. Forget the prayer side for of it. This is what you do with Indian clubs, with Persian meals, and with the gada. You have to come become one with them. So they're an extension of your body, and um, you know that you're going to throw out to the sides. You're going to deal with a changing weight, and so on as you're swinging, um, you know, and going through the different forms of exercise. And I think that that's you know it's important. So you know the 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 connection that you draw with the gada. Is, um, is really important and it's sort of when I first saw it I thought well, why are they doing that 
And somebody explained it to me, and it only really dawned on me about three months back here in Perth, how important that actually was. You've got to focus totally. So as, as we went going back to what we said before, you can't count and stuff like that because you don't want to do that. You just want to focus on what you're doing with the weight itself. Yeah. I think at the simplest, the most simplest form um, in this touching of the head, it, it's a ritual or something. Yes. Like, for instance, when a basketball player is going to do a free throw and yep. he has a certain amount of dribbles he does before yes. he throws, Correct. it's just a way to get the brain engaged at the most simplest form. But then it also gets deeper where there's gratitude in there. Right. There's humility. Yep. So yep. It, it, it's so you're the humble warrior now. Yes. Which... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I must admit that I'm the, you know, I that I, t I totally understand what you say by warrior, but I, I avoid the term because I, I think we I, I try to sort of push this into modern day society. And the, the I mean, none of us are kind of warriors these days, if you like. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's um, I mean, of days of old, I mean, use it as a reference, but I mean, I, I don't think that any of us can become a warrior in the truest sense because we're not using it the way that the people of old did. Right. But we're still using the methods that they use. And I and I just think that that's a really important thing to sort of, um, you know, consider when you're doing this type of thing. It's just, that's a personal thing with me, though. Yeah, when I... I agree with you uh, there. That's always been something that I've kind of been uh, uh, tossing it, up. Toss it yeah. around. Um, it, I like the appeal of how um, it's a form of exercise we do in present day where it has a connection to the to the ways to the of war, right, to the yeah. past. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, um, and and thinking about the warriors strength and their discipline and yes. their sacrifice and you know this is what we talk about even when somebody just goes to the gym to lift weights like they're sacrificing you know their time their effort their energy to yep. try to make themselves better yes and i and i and i, I think that's 100 percent the way that you should think about it i mean it, it is it's a commitment to doing something and then you know the, the um rather than going to war for example and fighting somebody else just to give you that example which we've mentioned earlier on you've got that 10 minutes of swinging a 10 kilo 20 pound mace at 58 beats a minute do it you know because i mean you know boy you'll know about it and i mean it's something that you'll never do to start with You've got to build up to it. So, you know, you can do, say, do a minute. And if you could do it successfully, that's great. Then do three minutes. Then do five minutes. Then eight, seven or eight and then ten. Build up to it. And then you can go for longer even still. I mean, I've sometimes done, you know, I sometimes do. I should never forget. I did when when we went 2020, when we turned the new year of 2020. Yeah. I swung tw um, 2,200 swings of the mace just to celebrate. Wow. <laughs> It, yeah, and it took a while, but I mean, you know, it was just something to do. You know, I just liked it. And um, yeah, it was a big one. It was a big swing. Are you, do you know who Zach Yannick is? Frankenlegs? Yes. You, know, yep. you got to yeah. know no, him. He, he yeah, just did he a 15 hour. Yes, I know. I know he did. Yeah. He, he did a 15 he, hour I, swing. He was trying to go for 24 hours. He only made it 15. Well, no, yeah. I, I'm going to change that. 
he didn't only make it 15. He did something totally beyond anything I'd be able to do. But um, yeah, he's he was recently on the podcast talking about doing it. Now I need to get him back to talk about his experience. It really experience. beat him up. Yeah, yeah, it would have beat him up. I mean, I, I can remember after my um, 2020 efforts, I mean, I, that took me a good couple of days to get over that. <laughs> and that was nowhere near 15 hours like Zach's just done. All right, but what exactly happened to you physically? You didn't injure yourself right you just no it's just the i I think the um you know the adrenaline runs through you and you're you're making the effort to do this but then you're getting your body after so the adrenaline keeps you going but then then when you stop after that the body has to recover so the body sets in um, mechanisms to make sure that your muscles recover and and then that that is um you know an exhaustion sets in um, and you know, it's, it, you've got to let the body do what it needs to do to sort of get over, get over the, um, you know, that effort of what you've just gone through. I don't know. You know I don't know how that medically, I don't know what exactly happens, but to, that's the way that I understand it. It's the same way as, I mean, if you, um, just a, a classic example is if you, if you suddenly decide to do like 20 squats, just for example's sake, body squats, no, no weight, and you've not done them for a long time. The next day, yeah. you're going to know about it. You're yes. going to hardly be able to move because of that. And I mean, that that's the sort of feeling that you get. But complete, the complete body goes into that sort of shock state where all the muscles are just really um, exhausted and um, they need to recover. Now, you prior to us uh, starting the podcast, we were talking about how you're right now contending with having cancer uh and you yep. said you've had it for about five years um yep. and and uh, you know so this is your form of uh, this is your form of exercise you do it daily how does yes. um this type of training help with somebody who's dealing with okay. cancer or another serious illness i do uh, first of all i'm going to say I, I consider myself really lucky that i knew how to do this type of training prior to being diagnosed with cancer i was incredibly lucky and i still sort of like you know um i still really appreciate the fact that i did it and then um so what does it do i mean i'm just going to describe it from the beginning during chemo and um androgen blockers androgen blockers um uh, with prostate cancer your um, testosterone, your the body the sorry, the testosterone that your body produces is um, consumed by the the um, tumors. So it's like self-eating type of stuff. So they give you what's called an androgen blocker, which is a hormone treatment to block your testosterone from developing inside the body. That makes you really really weak. And on top of that, when you have chemo that makes you even weaker still. And the chemo builds up over, you know, because I had um, six sessions of chemo every three weeks and that builds up in your body to the point that you're, you're basically, well, I wouldn't say vegetable, but I mean, you're, you're just so weak. You can hardly do anything. I, in that first period, I um, vowed that I would train every day, which I did. And I used to go for a walk first before I trained, trained and went into my gym in my old house. And my walks um, were, just became ridiculous. It would, took, took me so long to do the track that I used to do, you know, five kilometer track. It, it was just blew out completely. And then one day 
um, I think it was in, in about the third week, sorry, the third session of chemo, I um, it was pouring with rain outside and I just, you know, I was feeling sick, retching and all this sort of stuff in the morning. And um, I went into my gym. I thought, right, I'm going to do something in here because I'm not going out getting wet. And I just, you know, and being miserable outside. And I picked up a seven kilo mace and started swinging it, just sort of uh, drum beats on, just swinging it, trying to sort of like, you know, control my movements and do them the best way I could. And what was amazing was after about seven or eight minutes, I can't remember how long it was, all that retching went away. It was really? just amazing. It, it just completely disappeared. I started feeling normal. I swung that day for 40 minutes, nonstop. <laughs> and wow. it, because it was just such, it was a delight. I can't, can't tell you how good that was. So from then on, I, I stopped the walking because the walking wasn't working. And I, and I went back into the gym, swinging clubs, swinging the mace. And um, that's when I made my eight kilo and nine kilo mace because my, my strength levels were really, really weak by this point. And as chemo went on, you know, and um, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's how I started it. Now, from then on, from that time, five years ago, that went on for six months. And then I had to have the androgen blockers or the, the hormone treatment for another 18 months following the chemo. And during that time, I still, you know, maintained, I mean, the, the, the training had to be, so I mean, I'd walk into the gym in the morning, start training, do some stretches first, and then... Indian clubs, basically, I, I, I still to the, do to this day, mace on Mondays, um, Indian clubs Tuesdays, um, India, um, sorry, meals on Wednesday, Indian clubs uh, th Thursday, and then mace and in, um, meals on Friday. And then whatever I want on Saturday and Sunday. And I always feel so much better out of it. Now, coming up to this day, three months ago, well, I had to go back onto the, um, the um, hormone treatment again. And you get progressively start getting weaker. So you just, I, we were talking earlier on about my favorite being the 10 kilo, 20 pound mace. Now I've dropped back, I've had to drop back down to seven kilos because I can't swing the, the 10 anymore because it's just it, the effort that it requires right now with my um, strength being less is massive. But the important thing is that Every time I swing the mace and do my push-ups in the mornings, I feel so much better and I feel almost normal, almost normal. That's so, fantastic. You know, it's, it's, it's therapy. I mean, the, the exercise, for, as, I mean, I think it's very popular right now that, you know, cancer patients should have some form of um, physical exercise and therapy. And to my way of thinking, anybody who might be out there listening to this program right now, you should definitely look into not necessarily the mace, but certainly moving with Indian clubs and even if it's one club doing some very simple pendulum swings from side to side nothing fancy doesn't need to be it's going to you know in even just 10 minutes is going to make you feel so much better you know, because it just gets that adrenaline and everything else going in your body that you and you're fighting the the hormone treatment and everything else and, it, and it's just really important to move i mean literally and the other thing that i do apart from the exercise every day i try to walk at the moment i'm still managing to walk 5k's a day so you know every morning i'll finish the exercise go for a walk you know just to sort of keep moving and and even that is noticeably so normally i would say walk um without this treatment about one kilometer every 10 minutes now is dropped down to about 13 and a half, 14 minutes. 
that's the speed I can do because of the medication. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is here, you've got to do it. You just you got to do it. I mean, I'd encourage everybody to going through something like this, like prostate cancer. And I mean, one thing I'll send out a message right now is for guys over 40 going up for 50, you've got to get your prostate checked out. I'm going to tell you the story. What happened to me was I unfortunately was tested for 12 years, always negative, And they turned out to be false negatives. And by the time I was diagnosed, the cancer had spread outside the prostate. So consequently, you know, hence the chemo and everything else, because normally they can just remove the prostate and you have some bladder problems, but then basically everything sorts itself out and you get exercises to do for your pelvic muscles and stuff like that. Um, but so, you know, you can get false negatives with the, the prostate cancer tests. Unfortunately, why well, I fall into that 30% that get the false negatives and, um, you know, there, there it is. And there's, there's the way the cookie crumbled. But for a lot of guys, you've got to get yourself checked out. If you start going to the toilet a lot of times during the night, get it checked. That and yeah, yeah, it, so it, important. That and um, colon cancer because that could sneak up on people. Um, yes, I mean I, I do, with that one, I don't know what the symptoms are, but I mean I certainly know that as far as the um, the uh, prostate is concerned. The prostate, the actual itself, grows around the canal that um, draws the, your urine out, right. and it tightens around it. So consequently, you can't empty your bladder, and that was one of the biggest symptoms that I had. And I went to the doctor. By the time, by the time I went to the doctor, I was getting, getting up seven times, eight times a night for pee. Oh boy, yeah, that's yeah. And, that's I mean, and, 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 you know, I was, I'm waking up really tired in the mornings. You know, not feeling right. And, um, you know, I wish I'd gone to him earlier. You know, it should have been if I had it sort of three or four times a night, that would have been the time to go. So it's just I, a message for all the guys listening out there. Yeah, definitely. People uh, go get checked out, take care of yourself. But your message to, um, to continue exercising somehow, some way, yeah. I, I, you know, from other people that I've known in my life and have talked to i've heard a few people say this just like you you know they they walked or they did something i find that interesting that when you were first contending with the cancer that you, you had that rainy day and you just couldn't you just didn't want to go for walks anymore but the clubs and the mace was yes. something that you could do and you would think it would be the other way around like what's easier than walking right but this is this is a good point because uh, somebody might be stumbling along trying to figure out how to take care of themselves while they're fighting cancer. And look, there's alternatives. Try other things. Try a club. Yeah. Try a mace. Try, yeah. you know, if that doesn't work, try something else. But there's going to be something out there. The The point is keep – Absolutely. What, what is it that you think is happening uh, that, you know, to the body – when you're exercising and you're fighting cancer is it just that the body's getting a message like hey we're we're working here so it it, it shifts into a more um a state of 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 better uh efficiency or something well you know okay from from my experience that that rainy day that happened my um, my walking got really really slow because the um, the androgen blocker or the um, the hormone treatment was really affecting my legs. 
So consequently, I mean, you know, my walking slowed down to a snail's pace. Mm. And, you know, that rainy day, I just as I said, I didn't want to do it. And I thought, well, no, I'm, because I used to walk and then go into the gym room. And this time around, I skipped the walking, just went and straight into the gym room. And wow, was that, a, you know, as, as you know, I mean, the, the, it was just a, a light bulb moment like you wouldn't believe it. And so, so I mean, as you, and you quite rightly say, you've just got to find that something that um, the um, that you can do. And I'm not really answering that question about the body because I'm not that medically um, you know, knowledgeable. Yeah. One thing that I will add, though, is during um, chemo particularly, I um, the cancer center here in Perth offered um, um, uh, massage. That was inc also incredibly helpful. So, I mean, you know, combination of, you know, exercise, massage, chemo was really working for me. I mean, keeping me sort of like feeling pretty okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, even if you're you're healthy, it's still good for you. Uh, exercise and a massage, you can't go wrong. <laughs> no, that's right. That, that's exactly right. Yeah, so, and then yeah, I take so it your diet is um, a, you eat a certain way to to maintain health. Basically, fresh vegetables. Yeah, or cooked vegetables. I don't eat a lot of meat and um, and and fish um it's um that's through choice more than anything else because i don't like the hormones that are pumped into sort of the meat these days and um the yeah. fish and um the oceans are full of plastic so i mean you know my my doctor actually quite specifically said to me if you're going to eat fish eat small fish like sardines and stuff because they're unlikely to be full of plastic which is such a shame because you know i mean we have even here in australia as i'm sure you do on your coasts of amazing fish yeah but the oceans are so polluted these days that um it, it's a crime shame what when yeah. yeah it's not we just plastic it's also mercury and other stuff too. Yeah, yeah the smaller fish um yeah sardines i eat a lot of sardines because of, of that exact thing they they don't live long enough to uh exactly. to, to take all that in yeah 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 so um yeah no it's 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 a very i mean uh, it's a like vegetable based diet basically you know cooked or uh, salads that type of thing yeah okay that's yeah. good so there we go yeah all right so the as far as uh your cancer is concerned you're you're um contending with it and you're gonna be doing anything else for it uh surgery no, no, so, yeah so the, the, my hormone treatment started three months ago as i said and, and um on the 18th of january i'm going in for an operation to what they do is they plant gold seeds into the prostate yeah and after that so, so that then gives the radiation guys a target and then they can work out where the tumors are from that target by the by the scans that they've got and then they're going to zap the tumors um, once that's all been set up, and that's going to be eight weeks worth of um, radiation treatment once the um, the the operation's been done. So okay. going into the new year, I mean that's basically so that that'll probably take me through till about March, March April this year, um, and um, hopefully, and then then basically it's wait and see, see what happens after that. It's like we've just done. So I'm gonna, you know, I had the two years of medication. And after the first diagnosis and then three three years free now i've got um treatment again and we'll see how and then i'll have um you know the freedom again 
um, without any medication, and we'll just and then it's no doubt it was going to have to happen again. So I mean, it's a new way of living, if you like. Uh, yeah, right. Well, you know, I wish you all the best with no, having you. having to do that, and uh, you know, it's it's good to hear your story for other people. You know, I could I could bet a lot of people could get down and out and and depressed and stuff and. And uh, you, you know, you're showing us that there's ways of handling this. And yeah, there, there is. And I mean, I, one thing I will add to that is the, the androgen blockers or the hormone treatment gives you mood swings. There's no question about it. And if I start getting uh, like fed up or something in the gym, swing something. Yeah. Because, I mean, that literally cuts out that sort of mood swing. It, it just literally annihilates it. And it is, that's the way that I get rid of it. It's, it's just like being, you know, but you've got to be disciplined enough to do it. Well, yeah. Go for a walk, you know, just go for a walk, breathe some fresh air in if you can. If it's the nice weather or something like that, you, you just got to switch straight away. Yeah. Don't and let, like you said, uh, you already had that discipline. You started the yes. started it beforehand. So this is uh, another reason why don't put off starting your exercise. If you're one of these people right. that says, "Oh, I'll start next month. I'll start next month or whatever," no, start now and get get it down because you're just you're just kicking it can down the road. You know, people waste their their youth, and then when they get older, they wish that they had done more when yeah. they were younger. It's, well, I mean. That's right. I mean, you know, and during my first chemo treatments in hospital, I mean, you have to go into, into hospital and they, it's done under very hygienic circumstances, the chemo, um, it's intravenous injection and stuff. Um, there were guys there that were 10 years younger than me, mm. 10 years younger that were, that was, some of them were basically pushing around on Zimmer frames, you know, wow. scrunched up, there, no physical sort of like, you know, um, you know, I want to walk in there with a straight back and come out with a straight back. You know, I mean, that's my challenge right now. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, so that's awesome. So important. So important. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, there, there you go. I mean, I mean, if anybody who's listening to this podcast later on, if you want to contact me direct, please do my, um, you can contact me through my, um, website, um, indianclubs.com.au and just send me an email. Um, if you want to talk about this on a personal basis, if you've just been diagnosed with something like that, I'll be more than willing to help people out. And um, it's just part and parcel of, um, you know, we have to help each other. Wow, that's that's really nice of you. That's fantastic um, that you're accessible like that. And, you know, bef before we go, I just want to tell everybody, we mentioned it before, but if you go to your Instagram and hit the link tree, uh, you yes. have a bunch of links in there. You have get started with Indian clubs course and a club deal. So you you buy the course and you get yeah, the clubs that, sent out to you. Yeah, that that, that is that is still relevant now, but that's going to change very shortly. Yeah, but oh. I mean, so there's not, it's not up there for very long. But there are other things there that will cha change because we've virtually sold out of those clubs now. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah. all right. Um, but then you also have uh, other online courses for clubs, yep. a mace course, and then Persian meals and jewelry. And uh, you have your Indian club website. And then, yep. of course, we talked about it already, your drum beats. Yes. That people yes. can check out. So um, you get all that. 
So everybody should check that out. And Paul, I would love to have you come back onto the podcast again. Okay. And we'll talk about more more stuff with training. And and I want to talk to you about a little bit more on history and also uh, what the real differences, the, those nuanced differences are between swinging a gata, a meal, and a jury. Cool. Because to, the, to somebody who's just looking at it from afar, it all kind of looks the same. But I know that there's probably some really interesting differences. So... Yeah, if we could get into that, uh, yeah, you know, in, in sure. pretty soon we'll get you back on if you have the time. Yep, no problem at all. So, I mean, you just yeah, we'll just have to keep we'll keep in touch and then monitor how I'm feeling. Basically, that's yeah. that's the only thing that's going to might affect it in any way in the sort of coming few months. But I mean, no, happy to do that. All right, yeah. that's great. I appreciate that, and and it, that's going to be fun. And and again, I I wish you all the best with your medical stuff that you got to deal with. Thank you. And I, I feel very positive and I feel very good for you. And I'll say a prayer for you. And um, it you. was great meeting you finally. Yeah, um, likewise. Yeah. It, it, it's, I've known about you for a few years now and this is the first time I got you on the podcast. Sorry it took so long, but you know, okay. it's uh, great to finally get to talk to you in person. So that's it. Uh, yeah. It, Everybody check out Paul on his Instagram and, um, you know, if you need any help uh, dealing with your cancer battle or anything like that, uh, reach out to Paul and, and talk yeah. to him. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Paul. Okay, thank you, everybody, pleasure. for listening. Okay. All right. Take thank care. You. Peace. Bye. Bye-bye.